Well, this year my plan is to go through the book of Acts, okay? And we're going to talk about the story of Paul. We're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul and uh, just some of the things that he went through. Now, some of you, if you have really good memories, you will remember that we went through this series as a summer series about three or four years ago already. But if you remember, that was the summer that I took a medical leave from my wife, Shauna, and we were down in Ecuador for some of that time, and so I missed out on getting to preach on the Apostle Paul. And so uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it again uh, so I get to talk. I love talking about Paul. I love looking at the things that he did and he went through and what he endured for Jesus. So while it may have been just a few years ago, um, we're going to do it again, and while it may be some of the same stories that we're going to talk about again, I don't think it's going to be that repetitive, okay? And most of us forget about what we talked about last week, so three years ago we may be pretty safe. So the title of our series is going to be called Against the Current. Now, kids, do you know what current is? What do you think it is? It's a thing that moves in the water. Very good. When you have a river, there is a current in the river. It means it's all flowing in one direction. Now, currents can be fun. I grew up in Columbia, South America, and our house was right on the edge of a big cliff that went into this big rapids. It was called the Guatequia River. And there was this huge rapids, and in rainy season, sometimes the entire river basin would be filled up, and this huge rapids would be going through. You'd hear big boulders, like, clung, 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 rolling down through the river. Now, something that we would do as kids is we'd get inner tubes, and we would hike way, way up the river, and then we would all hop in our inner tubes, and we would ride down the river and all the rapids and the waves, and we would have fun all the way down to where we would get off and then walk back home. Now, what we were doing is we were enjoying the current. We were moving along with the current, so it was great. Now, it's fine when you're going with the current. It's a whole different story when you're going against the current. For us to be able to get to town, there was an hour drive, very slow, in this thing, what we called the base road. And it was just mountainous, very, you know, bumpy and a lot of mud and landslides. You know, a lot of times it was dangerous. But we had to cross over this one river that we called the Quebrada. And when we when it come up to this river, sometimes it would be so deep that a, a jeep or a car couldn't cross over. And so you had to cross over by foot and hike the rest of the way into town. Well, we had a visitor stay with us, and uh, his name was Wayne, and uh, they pulled up to the Quebrada, and it was too big for them to take the car, so they were going to have to hike across. So my brother was with Wayne, and uh, he said, Wayne, he says, you know what, I think I should probably hold your hand as we're going across this river. You need to hang on to me because I'm scared that this current may be too strong for you. And Wayne's like, Larry, I have crossed many a river in my life. I will be just fine. And he had this staff, this, you know, walking stick with him. And so he steps into the river, and the current, he shoves his staff into there, his stick into the, the water, and whoosh, the current would sweep it away. And he stood again, and sweep it away, and he's stepping in, and whoosh, next thing you know, he tumbles into the river. So my brother sprints down, and he dove into the river, and he grabbed hold of Wayne, and, and he swam him, swam him to safety, and he was rescued. Now there is an example how current going against you can be very dangerous, and it's not very easy. Going against the current, guys, is no fun because you're wanting to go this way, but everything else is going this way. It's pushing against you, so it's tough. Well, the reason that we're going to call this series Against the Current is because we're going to talk about a man by the name of Paul who was sold out for Jesus. He loved Jesus. He followed Jesus, 
But we're going to start to see that almost wherever, where, wherever he went, he was going against the current. The world was against him. And so while Paul was going this way, the world was coming against him going the other way. Paul was living his life against the current. And that's what we're going to learn about. And in this process, realize that, guys, the same applies to us when we choose to follow Jesus. Okay? No matter what age we are. And let me explain why that is. Why is it so tough? You see, we live in a world that is an evil world. And I know we don't like to think about that. I know we like to say, ah, let's just pretend that's not true. But it's true. We live in an evil world. And the reason it's evil is because Satan, Scripture tells us, is the prince of this world. Okay? He's the ruler of this world, and he has twisted the idea systems and the belief systems of humanity to where people believe in lies. Okay? The, God tells us one thing. The enemy tells us just the opposite. And so much of humanity has believed the lies of the enemy. And, and most of the world is in that boat. Most of the world believes the lies and idea systems that the enemy has fed them. And therefore, we have a huge throng of people moving in this direction. Okay, Jesus said this. He goes, broad is the path that leads to destruction. And he's not kidding. There is a huge path, a huge movement of people moving towards destruction. And so when we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to be going against the current on that. Okay, Does that make sense? That's the situation we find ourselves in, in our world today. And you know what? Nothing's new. That has been a reality since way back when, when the Apostle Paul was, when the early church was. They were always going against the current. A life of following Jesus is always a life of going against the current. Well, for today, what I like to do, and what I like to do with all my series, is I want to set the table for the series. In other words, I want to introduce this series and kind of explain the time frame, the setting, what was going on, and that will help us kind of get our heads around as we begin to start to talk about the life of Paul. So today is going to be all about introduction. And some of you, I mean, I know many of you know everything there is about Paul and all of his life and what he did and when he showed up on the scene, but there may be some of us in this room today who don't know a thing about Paul. We've heard his name. We know that he wrote a lot of the books in the, in the New Testament, but we don't know when he showed up on the scene. So we're going to try to do that. We're going to set the table for that today. And so let me just kind of lay out the setting. We all know when Jesus was here, and Jesus, you know, came to this earth, and when he started his ministry, it all started at his baptism, okay? Now, when he was in the water, he came up out of the water, and the Father spoke and said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, and the Spirit descended upon him. Okay? Now, right after Jesus was baptized, does anybody know what happened to him? Where did he go? You gotta talk louder because I'm deaf up here. He went out into the desert, into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, to be hit by the kingdom of darkness. So the minute Jesus starts his ministry, what is he going doing? He's going against the current. And literally from day one, they're coming against him, coming against him, coming against him. In fact, if you read the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that Jesus, right at the beginning part of his ministry, the Pharisees and the Sadducees gathered together and they're like, hey, how do we figure out how we can kill this guy? Right at the beginning, Jesus was going against the current. And it went all the way for the three years of his ministry. Eventually, we all know the story, he eventually was nailed to a cross. 
He was beaten, and God had a purpose for all of it, but he hung on that cross, and he was crucified. And the world was like, yeah, we finally put this guy down. We got rid of this guy because they didn't like what he was doing. He was healing the sick. He was casting out demons. He was preaching in the, in the name of God. He was doing amazing things, and they were getting jealous. They didn't like that, so they wanted to take him out. And so when they put him to death, they thought, sweet daddy, we got rid of him. He is gone. But that wasn't the case, was it? What happened three days later, kids? He arose from the dead. He stepped out of that grave, once again coming back to life. And after that resurrection, he met with his disciples, and he met with his followers, and he taught them about the kingdom of God. He was explaining to them the activity of God, of what God was doing. Why did I just die? Why did I come to, to, come to life again? Why did all this happen? And he was teaching his disciples everything to do. Now, toward the end of that time, he was on the Mount of Olives, and he's sitting there, and he was giving some final instructions to his disciples. I believe that that phrase was one of the final things that he gave them. Then he said, listen, you will receive power from on high, and you're going to go out you know, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of this world with this power. So wait in Jerusalem for this power. Okay. Now, as Jesus was talking what suddenly did begin to happen to him? Does any of you kids know? Any adults know? He began to slowly rise up into the air. He began to fly. He began to, what the word they use is, he began to ascend up into the heavens. And so the disciples are like, oh, Jesus is flying. This is amazing. And they watch, and they're watching until he gets way up, and he gets hidden by the clouds. And they can't see him anymore. And when they look down, there were two angels sitting next to him, and they said, listen, guys, the Jesus that you just saw disappear in the clouds, he's going to one day come back in those clouds. And so they, they left the Mount of Olives. They went back to Jerusalem to wait for this power that God was going to send to them. And so they gathered. There's about 120 of them. They're gathered in this room, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying. And they're saying, God, send your spirit, send your power upon us. And they're praying. And suddenly, one day, they call it the day of Pentecost, Suddenly, the room filled with the sound of mighty rushing wind. It was like, like a tornado. Has anybody ever been in a tornado before? Okay, it was a sound like that. And it says that little flames of fire settled down on everybody in that room. And they suddenly began to speak in different languages. These foreign languages. And so they walked out of this room, and they're speaking these foreign languages, and it just happened to be that in the city of Jerusalem, there were people from all over the world, from all different nations, suddenly hearing their language being spoken to them, their native language being spoken to them by people who shouldn't be speaking them, by Galileans. We're like, how, do you, how are you able to even speak like that? And so some of the people were like, well, these people must be drunk. Now, I don't know why they'd say that. It's not like drunk people suddenly speak fluent foreign languages, but they say they must be drunk. Peter steps to the plate, and he goes, guys, nobody's drunk. That's funny because he goes, it's only 11 a.m. in the morning. People don't get drunk by 11. He goes, no one's drunk. What you're seeing here is an outpouring of the Spirit, and he begins to preach this sermon, and he preaches this long sermon, and at the end of the sermon, I want to show you this verse. Look at what it says. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
Imagine how big of a baptism service that was. We had one on Wednesday. Imagine 3,000 of them. 3,000 people added to the church that day. Do you see that? 3,000 people believed what Peter had to say, and they became followers of Jesus Christ. Kids, this is what we call the beginning of the church. Okay, This was the birth of the church. The church that is made up of followers of Jesus Christ was just beginning to grow. And let me show you a verse a little further on in, in Acts, Acts 4, 4. It says, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about what? 5,000. They went from 3,000 to 5,000 now in the city of Jerusalem. I mean, just in a few days, Jerusalem suddenly had a megachurch. The church is growing. Followers of Jesus are multiplying. Now, here's the crazy part. The world had tried to take Jesus out. There's this guy, he's going around, he's healing, he's, he, he's the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and he's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and they're like, we've got to take this guy out. So they kill him. Three days later, he comes back to life, and suddenly he disappears, and suddenly there's this group of people that all look like a bunch of Jesuses walking the earth, and they're all doing the same thing Jesus did. People are getting healed. Demons are being cast out. The blind are seen. The lame are walking. The deaf are hearing. And they're like, oh my word, we tried to take this one guy out. Suddenly there's thousands of them. And the world didn't like that. And so because of that, guess what began to happen to the church? Anybody want to take a guess? Persecution began to happen. Kids, do you know what persecution is? Persecution is when they try to inflict harm or they try to hurt you because you are following Jesus. They want to punish you for following Jesus. And so right at the start, that begins to happen. Peter and John are walking to worship God at Solomon's colonnade, and they're walking by this beggar. Now this beggar, it tells us in Scripture, was, he was lame for 40 years. 40 years, and he sat in this exact place. He became part of the furniture. I remember when I, I lived in Colombia, we would go to this one spot, this one store where we would get, it would be like buckets and stuff, I don't know, like a hardware store. And when you would pull around the corner into that place to pull in the hardware store, there was always this one beggar that would sit by that door. And he was this deformed kid. He would sit there like this, and he would hunch back and forth like that. And his parents, early in the morning, would come, and they'd place him there on that sidewalk, and he would sit there from sunup to sundown with a little can begging for money. And his parents put him there every single day of his life. Now, every time you would go to the store, you knew that that, that kid would be there. So imagine this, la this lame man that Peter and John are seeing, he's been there for 40 years. People would know about this guy. And so they're walking by this guy, and he's probably holding out a can, you know, please give me some money. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold, I don't have any. But what I do have, I'll give to you. And he grabbed the man by the hand, and he lifted him. He says, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. And what did the man do? He stood up and walked. And he's like, oh, my word, I'm walking. And he began to jump and shout for joy. And people all around are like, oh, my word, that's the man who sat there for 40 years. He's suddenly walking. And they're celebrating. They're like, there's this big uproar happening. Well, the next thing you know, the religious authorities, they all come busting in. They're like, hey, what's going on? Well, these two people heal this man. They're like, we're arresting you. And they take him to the Sanhedrin. They're standing before the court. And they're like, 
How did this happen? What did you do? And they said this. The man you see standing before you today was healed in the name of Jesus. And that infuriated them. And so guess what they did to Peter and John? They flogged them. They whipped them. They tied them to a post and whipped them. All for healing a man. But they did it in the name of Jesus. And the world hates Jesus. And so they flogged them. Now guys, understand, this is not like driving through a car wash with your window down. This is being whipped. This is painful. And they did it in the name of Jesus. And they says, all right, now that you're done being whipped, don't go out and preach in the name of Jesus anymore. So Peter and John, it says in Scripture, they left rejoicing because they had suffered in the name of Jesus. They went back to the church family and they said, guys, this is what happened. And they began to worship and they began to pray and they said, sovereign Lord, pour out boldness upon us so that we can go out and do this even more. And it says that the building's walls began to shake. God's power was shown forth there. And so they went out again. The apostles were out and they were all preaching in the name of Jesus. So the people came in, they arrested them again and they put all the apostles into the prison, into jail. Well, guess what? That night, an angel comes into the jail cell, opens the doors, opens the doors, unlocks their chains, and lets them all all out and says, listen, I want you to go back to the temple courts, and I want you to preach in the name of Jesus. Keep preaching the good news. So the apostles all walk out there, and they begin preaching again. And I can imagine the religious authorities going, wait, what? We just put them in jail. How are they back out there? All because of God. So they arrest him again, and they pull him in front of the Sanhedrin, and they're like, what are you guys doing? You can't do this. And they, they whipped him, they flogged him, all, all of them again. And once again, they left rejoicing. Now, they said, guys, we tell you, they threatened him, it says, do not preach in the name of Jesus. So guess what? Do you think they listened to that? No. Look at what it says in Acts 40. Day after day, In the temple courts and from house to house, they what? They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Guys, the point I'm trying to make is that being a follower of Jesus was not a popular thing in that day. It was not looked upon, you know, too well. The consequences were terrible. They were devastating. People were beaten. They were whipped. They were flogged. They were thrown into prison. It truly was living against the current to be a follower of Jesus Christ in that day. But here's the crazy thing. No matter what the persecution, the church kept growing and growing and growing. No matter how hard the enemy tried to stomp out the church, the more and more it grew. It says in Scripture that the Lord added to their number daily. It just grew. The enemy's trying to stomp it all out, and it just grows and grows and grows. I told this story recently, but the kids weren't here for that, so I'm going to tell the story for the kids' sake. But I remember one time I was in Venezuela. It was the first year of my marriage, and we were staying at some people's house. They graciously let us stay at their house while they were away. And so I you know, thought I'd do the nice thing, and I went out and I clipped a bunch of branches in their backyard, and I made a big pile of it, and I was going to burn it. That's what you do in Venezuela. You, you burn it. So um, they happened to have a gallon plastic gallon thing of gas, and so I dumped a bunch of gas on the pile, and I put it down, and I let it, and boom, it blew up, and it was like, that's awesome. Kids do not play with gas and fire. I did not do the right thing here. So I'm, it's burning, and I'm thinking everything's great. Well, about an hour later, the pile isn't fully burnt, and there's just this little trail of smoke coming up from it. I'm like, ah. So I took the gas can, 
And I started pouring it on the pile again. Dumb thing to do. There was still a little, you know, piece of, you know, something flame down there. And suddenly, boom, it blew up. I mean, it just blew up, singed all my eyeballs, my eye hairs and everything. And I'm like, ah, you know, I screamed and just scared the tar out of me. So I'm, I'm walking away like this, and I look down, I see my gas tank is on fire. So what do I do? I throw the gas tank down, thinking i got to, you know, put up the fire. I throw it down. Well, when I throw it down, it spins around, and gas spreads everywhere on the lawn, and next thing you know, there's fire everywhere. So I'm stomping this fire around, and I see the gas can, and it's kind of melting in the fire, so I kick it. Well, when I kick it, gas spreads everywhere and goes up my body, and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm freaking out. The more I tried to put it out, the more fire I caused. That's what was happening here at the early church. The enemy's going around stomping and stomping and stomping, and the more and more it grew. In fact, I, I want to show you this. We're going to actually jump ahead of next week's story in doing this. But I just wanted to, to show you this because this is really amazing. And, and by the way, if you're wondering where Paul comes onto the scene... It's right here. It's the chapter before the verse I'm going to show you. And we're going to talk about this next week. But I want you to see this. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. As if it wasn't great already, it got even worse. And all, except the apostles, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So the church in Jerusalem, suddenly on that day, and we're going to talk about what that day was next week, suddenly on that day, persecution, a great persecution, falls down on the Jerusalem church. I mean, guys, imagine if we were a church in Jerusalem during that day. Imagine people storming in through these, these doors and arresting us and chasing us and putting us in chains, whipping us. Some of them, you know, some of you may be put to death because of it, all because we're followers of Jesus. That's what was happening to the church in, in Jerusalem. So much so that people were like, we got to get out of here. They're being chased. So what do they do? They scatter. They run for the hills. They run for the countryside of Judea and Samaria and whatever. They get out of Jerusalem because of this persecution. Okay? That's what's going on. Now, I'm not sure how many people scattered. It says all but the apostles. So it could have been all 5,000 of the followers of Jesus Christ and their families just scattered. They went out. They disappeared from Jerusalem. Now, when you think about that, it sounds horrible, doesn't it? I mean, these people literally fled for their lives. They, they had to uproot their families and flee. Imagine if that happened to us and we had, we had to run to Minnesota, run to Michigan to get away from persecution. And guys, by the way, kids, just so you know this, there are Christians all across the world who are currently enduring that. There are Christians in China, I was reading this, that they have to meet in secret and they gather in the rooms and, and when they sing, you guys were just singing and the band's playing, the drums beating, you guys are singing and whatnot. What they have to do is they have to whisper their songs. So they'll be like, run to the Father. They whisper it. They sing it softly so that nobody can hear or else they're going to be persecuted. They're going to get thrown into jail. So yeah, this is scary stuff. Talk about living against the stream. The enemy, Satan, is trying his best to shut down the church, to shut down the followers of Jesus Christ. And so he persecutes the church in Jerusalem, and they scatter. But I want you to see what the enemy was intending. Actually, the opposite began to happen. I want to show you a verse. If you just scoot down three more verses in that same passage, look what it says in chapter 8, verse 4. 
Those who had been scattered, what did they do, guys? Read it. They preached the word where? Wherever they went. Do you see that? Do you see how powerful that is? The enemy chased these people away, and in doing so, they scattered all over the place, and wherever they were, they preached the good news of Jesus. The good news got spread all over the place. Unintentionally, the enemy made things worse for himself. God is awesome. Amen? All right. To just show a visual of what this would be like, I'm going to need six volunteers, three, six kids. Okay, can you raise your hands? All right, why don't you, you four come on up here? You two, can, can you two come up here? Yeah, come on up here. All right, I'm going to need you guys to do something. These here are some lights. Okay? You can put that on the ground for now if you want. Get it later. Okay, hold that light. See that button there? Press that button again. Press it again. And again. Press it three times, okay? Press that button three times. Press that button three times. Press that button three times. There you go. Oop. Three more times now. There you, there you go. Stop there. Press that. Let's see. This button three times. Press it two more times. That one. One more time. There you go. Okay, we all good? Okay, so you guys all kind of sit in a semicircle here. There you go, and you can shine that light on me. No, you can stand, that's fine. And I want you to go ahead and turn the lights off, Eric. And this is what Jerusalem would have looked like, okay? There was all these disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, who were shining their lights in the city of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was this very bright place because the light was being shown there. But when the enemy came in and persecution began to happen... He chased these people, and they went to all the surrounding areas. So go ahead and turn the lights back on. And kids, or what's your name, sweetheart? Lila. Lila, I want you to go back by that sound booth, if you can go walk back there. And honey, what's your name? Isaiah. Isaiah, you're going to sit right there by your grandpa, okay? And then you are going to go in the middle by those two, the, kind of back in between the, see where that camera is? Go stand back there. Yeah, right in the middle row there. And then you're going to stand kind of right by, see that lady in the pink right there? Stand kind of next to her. And you're going to go way in the back in that row, okay? And then you're going to be right there in the front, okay? So go get in your positions, and I want you to hold your lights up. Good job. Keep going, honey. Keep, oh, yeah, you're, that's, you keep going in the back. Keep going. There you go. A little further, a little further. Right there. That's good. Okay, let's turn the lights off. Now, guys, shine your lights around. Now, see, when these people, they scattered and they went to all the different locations, they began to shine the light of Jesus there. And suddenly, the darkness was getting plundered. Okay? Give it up for our volunteers. Come and give me the, the lights, guys. Good job. You can hand me the, there you go. Turned it off. Good. Thanks, Bubba. Click the button one more time. There you go. There you go. Thank you, sweetheart. And thank you, sweetheart. Good job, guys. Now, here's the interesting thing about darkness. Darkness cannot cause light to disappear. 
But if you bring light in the darkness, what happens? Darkness has to go. It cannot stand up against the light. And that's exactly what was happening. You see, the enemy was doing his best to shut this down. The enemy, the kingdom of darkness, was trying to shut down the kingdom of light. But when the light spread, it just drove the darkness back even further. I mean, he was trying to shut down the church, but it wasn't happening. And of course it wasn't going to happen because Jesus himself says these very words. He goes, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Amen? Amen. What I'm trying to get us to see, guys, is that nothing can stop the move of God. And I know in our world today with all this virus and stuff and we had to not be able to meet in this building and people were saying, oh, Luke, the church is being shut down. No, it's not. That is so far from the truth. Nothing can shut down the church. You want to know why? Because who's the church? Tell me who the church is. You guys are. We are. And wherever we are, we're to be shining light. Nothing can shut down the church. Not even a crazy little virus. Not even the gates of hell. Yes, we might be going against the current. We might be going against everything that the world is coming against us with. But if God is with us, nothing can come against us. Nothing. It says if God be for us, who can stand against us? Nothing can. We might get persecuted. We might get beat up. And by the way, there might be a time in this nation where Christians begin to get, begin, begin to get persecuted again. That might be the case. I don't know. But if that's the case, it's still not going to destroy the church. We might experience intense suffering, but no matter what, God prevails in the end. Amen? Let's not forget that. And as we move into this series, we're going to see a man of God actually live that out. And hopefully, guys, it's going to encourage us to do the very same thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these stories that remind us of how you are working. And God, you, you never change. You're the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so if you worked with your people like that back then, you work with your people today. God, may we become a group of men and women and boys and girls who go against the current by following you, who stand up against the world of darkness by shining your light. And God, if it means we get persecuted, we get persecuted. Because we love you and we're going to follow you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys. Love you so very, very much. We're going to exit out here. Visitors, you can grab your little gift bags and have an amazing week. And we'll see you next Sunday. Love you all.